Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to Norster for our fifth week in this series, How to Get Through What You're Going Through, right out of the story of the life of Paul in the book of Acts. So I'm gonna let you get ahead a little bit. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28 is where we're gonna camp out and spend our time this morning. If you have the North Star Church app, that's probably the easiest way to follow along. Go to North Star Church, Georgia in the app store and it will download right on your phone and literally every point is in there. You were also given the little blank sermon note sheet on the way in and that's a great place to write and a great place to keep up. So today is a day that I think will be helpful to you. So uh, every young married couple, as they get married, they get lots of wedding gifts and they get lots of things that they may or may not ever use. But one thing every couple always needs is a toolbox because at some point, something's gonna need fixed around the house and you need to be able to reach in that toolbox and fix it. Now, if you've been at North Shore any length of time, you know that if you give me a toolbox, it hurts my feelings, all right? But Ann loves it, right? Because she can fix anything. I remember when my, my in-law gave me one for our first anniversary and I thought, they really hate me. They really don't like me because I'm not good with anything. But you need a toolbox because in that toolbox are things you can grab when you face certain items around the house that need fixing. Well, life sometimes is gonna throw you things and what we're gonna talk about today is stuff for your toolbox, I promise you. So let, let's begin with a, with a fresh slate today. So a little honesty challenge here, a little yes or no, so we're gonna do a pop quiz. How many of you still wake up with cold sweats thinking about having a pop quiz in school? Do you remember those when you would walk in and the teacher would go, I want you to clear your table, take out a blank sheet of paper, and you're like, dear God, all right, and would you take out, write your name on it, and I'm going to, and I'm thinking at the end of it, my sheet's still going to be blank, right? Because I have no idea what they're going to talk about, nor, nor did I study last night. This is a pop quiz. Now, North Star is a very high-tech church. We have sensors built in your seats. If you don't answer, it will buzz. I will know you didn't answer. So question number one, do you believe, this is yes or no, you got to answer out loud. Do you believe that God is caught off guard by the circumstances of your life? Yes or no? no. Right? I think we all agree with that. He's God, we're not. Circumstances do surprise us, but they never surprise him. Circumstances come and knock on our door, and we are totally shocked, but God's not. I agree with you. I do not believe that God is caught off guard by the circumstances of your life, which leads us to question two. As we live out our lives, do we agree that God has everything under control and knows what he's doing? Yes or no? Those two questions are gonna be lived out today in the life of Paul. Those two questions you at some point in your life are going to remember answering, but you will not want to admit your answer is still the same. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? Acts chapter 28. We're only going to read two verses. So let's catch up where we are. 
Paul's got a mission, right? Paul is preaching and teaching. Paul gets arrested. Paul gets falsely imprisoned. Paul stays in prison. He gets convicted, appeals for another hearing because he's a Roman citizen, and appeals to Caesar. Paul stays in jail, prison, two more years because it was a political deal. We don't really know what to do with him, so we're just going to keep him in there. Well, finally, they release him, and they put him on a ship, and they're going to sail to Rome, and this is going to be a really, really easy trip, and they're just going to get on the boat, and they're going to arrive in Rome. What they didn't know was there was going to be 14 days of a storm while they're on that boat, they're going to totally lose all navigation. You remember the star was dark. They couldn't see the constellations. They didn't know where they were going. They ended up 500 miles off course. That's where we've been the past few weeks. And last week we find them heading towards the shore and there's rocks. They're trying to get there. The ship runs aground, breaks apart, and we find them grabbing on, and it's such a great line that we ended with last week, they're grabbing onto debris, getting to shore. I mean, the worst is over. This works out really good. Acts chapter 28. Once we were safe on shore, we learned we were on the island of Malta. They have arrived at Sandals Malta, all right? It's really great. It's a really nice resort they've ended up at. Look, look what it says. I mean, it must be a sandals. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Paul is out of the storm, he thinks. And that's what we're gonna talk about. Would you pray with me? Father, some of us understand Paul's journey because we feel like we've been on that boat. Some of us, though, haven't crashed or ground. Some of us are still at sea. And God, you left us. You got Luke to write this down for a day like today. Father, I don't know the circumstances of everybody sitting in this room. I don't know the circumstances of all the people watching online, but you do. God, would you walk into those circumstances today and remind us that what was true then and what got them through can get us through too. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around, find three people around you and go, how about the Liberty Flames yesterday? That's what you need to do real quick, real quick, all around you. You're like, what about Liberty? We beat an SEC team yesterday. That's a big deal. All right. Georgia Tech hadn't beat an SEC team in a while. It's a really big deal. All right. Let's talk about this real quick. What does that have to do with the message? Absolutely nothing. All right. So there's three things in life we all are going to face. All right. You are going to visit these three places. I want you to write them down. They're going to pop up on the screens. The biggest questions in life that we all face First one is why. Why? 
when you go through things in life, there is going to be a moment that you're going to ask, why is this happening? That's a valid question. Why this? Why now? Why me? Why here? Why us? Why? At some point in your journey, Mike, I've never experienced that yet. <laughs> Hang on. All right, it's coming. Why? why? Why is this happening? How many of you, remember, honesty buzzers are under your chairs. How many of you at some point in life have asked the question why? Yep. I have two. Things come, things hit. Sometimes I've asked why, not for me. I've asked why for you. I've walked in that hospital room. I've walked into your house. I've walked into that season with you and your family. And you ask me why, and I don't have an answer for you. Why? Let me say this. All right, everybody hear me. Why is an okay place to visit? You just can't stay here. But it's a question you're going to ask. Second one. What now? What now? See, when we leave the why, we move to the what now. If you never move to the what now, you stay in the why. And here's what happens when you stay in the why. You're in a circle. You're in a cycle. You cannot get out of it. And the more you circle, the more confused you get. That's what why does to us. It's like you're being sucked down this drain in why. But when we move to what now, we begin to ask a better question, really. It's what God, what, what's God want next? I realize that this why is over. What's next? It may be about a job. It may be about our marriage. It may be about life. Maybe about the loss of somebody. What's next? It's a question we're all gonna face. Because if you will leave the why and you will move to the what, it's a very healthy move, but yet you're gonna find yourself with some fog in the what's next. Everybody look at me. Though it may make sense to God, we established that at the beginning, it may not make sense to you and you gotta be okay with that. And the third question we all face, the why, the what's next, and the third one is how. How is God gonna bring any good out of this? How is God gonna take care of me? How is God gonna use me? Mike, our ship is wrecked on the shore if you're Paul. We don't have anything we need. I'm just trying to get to Caesar to appeal my case. All I signed up for was to preach the gospel when he called me on the Damascus Road. I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what's next, and I certainly don't know how. Well, that's what we're gonna talk about because I believe as this passage progresses along, we answer all these questions. So, Question number one, it's right there in your outline. You can thumb it in, you can write it in. Number one, asking why usually leads me to wrong conclusions. That's the hardest part about it, why. When I live in the why, it leads me to wrong conclusions. 
So let's, let's just take it. Here we go. Acts chapter 28, verse 3. We're going to read a couple verses here. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks, so they got the fire, right? They're on sandals. They're on the resort. The attendants have come out. They've built them a fire. I mean, you know the fire's got to feel great after freezing on the water. A poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. All right, everybody look at me. It stinks to be Paul right now. Can we all agree with that? I mean, poor Paul. This is getting bad to worse, right? Now you're shipwrecked. Now you get bit. But not only you get bit, look what happened. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand. So it's not like the snake slid up and bit him and moved off. That bad boy locked in on Paul and Paul is standing there and there is a snake hanging from his hand. Time out, real quick. If you ever drive by my house and I'm doing yard work and there's a snake off my arm, I do not handle snakes. I do not like snakes. Stop and help me, okay? All right, so Paul's got a bad problem. Paul's got a snake hanging off his arm. Look at what happens. It's a great story. The people said to each other, he's a murderer, no doubt. He's a murderer. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. They believed that the gods, remember they're all little G gods people, they believed the gods had finally paid Paul a visit. They make the assumption Paul all right, let's, let's, make, let's all get in the story. Is Paul, in their eyes, innocent or guilty? Which one? They think he's guilty because he got bit by that snake. All right, it's really interesting. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and he was unharmed. It's like a Bear grills type moment going on right here, right in the story. It's amazing. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time, saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds, and they decided he was a god. So they've gone from Paul's a murderer to Paul's a god. I mean, this is quite the jump these people have made. Did Paul have every reason to ask God why? You better believe he did. Listen, Paul... <laughs> Paul is just trying to get to Caesar. He didn't ask for the shipwreck. He didn't ask for the sailors. He didn't ask for the armed guard. Now he didn't, he didn't ask for this. He had every right to ask why. It's interesting. It is never noted by the writer Luke, the physician who never missed a detail. It is never noted at any point that Paul asked why. Now, why is that? We've already established. He had every reason to. Somewhere along the way, Paul had made a decision that God was God and he wasn't. And there were some things he was just gonna have to trust. I want you to write down couple of those things because I think it's a choice you and I have to make. First one's we aren't God. We aren't God. I know that hurts to admit, but we aren't God. God knows things we don't know. God understands things we don't understand. 
I think somewhere along the way, Paul made the decision, God, I trust you. I don't understand you, but I trust you. Second thing Paul knew is he knew he didn't have all the facts. Paul knew he did not have all the facts. He did not know all there was to know. And third part of that is he knew God could see things he couldn't see that were coming. So I'm older than a lot of you, younger than some of you. But I'll tell you this lesson I've learned in life. You will never understand life out your front windshield. You're probably gonna have to take a look in the rearview mirror to see some things make sense. Because in the moment when they're happening, you can live in the why. In the moment when they're going on, you can, you can stay in that why. There was a guy in the Old Testament. His name was Job. I know some of y'all read that and said, I thought that whole book was called Job. All right, it's Job. And you're ever having a bad day and feeling sorry for yourself, pull out the book of Job. Oh, Job had a rough one. In fact, Job, (laughs) this is how bad Job's life got. At one point, Job's helpmate, his little wife that he was married to, looked at him and said, you should curse God and die. That'll bless your heart right there. All right, and so that was what Job was blessed with. But Job just kept living. Finally, at the end, he he begins to ask God some questions and tell God he needs some answers. And God began to answer Job. And at the end of the book of Job, something very interesting is said. Job, you're gonna have to trust my wisdom. You're gonna have to trust my character. Job, you're gonna have to trust that I see things you don't see and know things you don't know. And at the end of the day, I'm good. You're gonna have to trust that. Everybody look at me. If you're living in the land of why, you're gonna have to figure that one out too. Number two, asking what now usually leads me in the right direction. Asking what now usually leads me in the right direction. Why? Because it makes me move. It makes me go, all right, I'm gonna move to a new place in this. Okay, God, I I trust you. What now? What is it? I want you to pick up the story. This This is a great story. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us, treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with a fever and dysentery. Paul went in, prayed over him, laying hands on him, he healed him. And then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. How did Paul deal with the shipwreck and the snake bite. I want you to write this down. Ready? He blessed others. Part of your next always involves others. Not completely. But there's a piece of it. I wonder if Paul had stayed in the why if he would have ever made it to Publius's house. 
I wonder if Paul had stayed in the why if all the other islanders would have been healed. Luke doesn't record this, but tradition and history does that there was a church founded around the same time on the island of Malta and their first pastor was named Publius. Who's to say that the gospel didn't begin to spread? Because you know Paul preached it. Begin to spread on that island because Paul happened to be shipwrecked there. Everybody look at me. Caught everybody's surprise. But God. Who's to say that he didn't land there just for this moment? And who's to say that whatever you're facing isn't going to be wasted either? Now, here's the hard part. And I, and I will be honest with you because I have no plans of being anywhere else. So I'm going to have to do this journey with you. That what's next may not make you feel better about what you lost. I remember years ago, Steve and I went through a seminary class with a guy named Ron Dunn. Ron Dunn had pastored a great church in Texas, MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church in Irving, Texas. He had been an itinerant preacher. Ron said, I remember one year for Christmas, I think it was 1972, 73, 74, in there his wife gave him a watch and the watch said on the back of the watch, looking forward to our best year yet. And he said, I didn't know that spring my son was gonna commit suicide and it was gonna be my worst year. Ended up writing a great book out of it that we use and with people going through a tough time called When Heaven is Silent. And he went through, back before anybody talked about it, especially pastors, went through a battle of depression and doubt and fear and all the stuff we all visit. But he would talk about how God was faithful. I remember we were sitting, Steve and I were sitting in New Orleans. I'll never forget it. And he was telling the story about being in a town and telling the story of what happened to his son. And after it was over, a couple came up and they grabbed his hand. How many of y'all, all right, time out real quick. How many of y'all grew up in a church where everybody was called brother or sister? Anybody raised like that? You know, look, brother, and you're like, are y'all related? Well, it's church, all right? And so, but he said, this guy walked up and said, Brother Dunn, could we speak to you for a moment? They said, your story about your son encouraged us. We've lost ours and it's just good to know you can make it. And I remember Ron Dunn looking at our class going, I'm glad it encouraged him, but I sure wish I had my boy back. But I'm glad it encouraged him. See, God gets us what we're going through to help someone else get through what they're going through. Tomorrow night, we're gonna have it surviving the holidays right up. Right up the hill, true north. For anybody who's lost a loved one this past year, and the room will be full. We've had 25 funerals in the last month. That gives you an idea of the hurt going on. 25.
Tomorrow night in that room, I'll tell you this about the crowd. Nobody wants to be there. That's what I'll tell you about the crowd. But everybody needs to be there. I'm not speaking. Stephanie and I are hosting a panel. And on that panel is a lady who lost her husband last year of 25 years. Another that lost her husband of eight years while she was seven and a half months pregnant. And a gentleman who lost his mom, his stepmom, and his sister-in-law all last year. And they're going to talk about how to get through what you're going through. And you know what? They understand things I don't know. Part of their what's next is blessing other people. So here's questions we ask ourselves when we're in this what's next. Do I become bitter or better? We've all got to make that choice. Do I put my focus on serving others or myself? Yes or no? Did Paul have every right to sit and sulk and thank God had forgotten him? Yes or no? Okay, y'all are waning. All right, did Paul have every right to sit and sulk and thank God's forgotten him? Yes or no? Yes. yes, but he didn't. It was like Paul knew. God knows something I don't know. So I'm just going to have to keep walking. I'm going to have to keep trusting. Point number three. Trusting God with how always leads to peace and provision. Trusting God with how always leads to peace and provision. When you are in the why and when you move to the what's next, the how is gonna make no sense to you. You're gonna look at it and you're like, how is God gonna take care of me? How is God gonna get me through this? How in the world am I gonna, listen, if you're Paul, how am I gonna get to Rome? Our ship is gone. How am I gonna eat? How am I gonna live? How's God, I mean, what is, what is God doing? Pick up the story. This is so good. Whew. Verse 10. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, this is crazy, people supplied us with everything we would, what's the next word? Isn't it amazing how faithful God is to take care of our needs when there's nobody else to take care of them? It was three months after the shipwreck, we set sail on another ship. Well, lo and behold, there was another ship there in the harbor. Probably a little bigger, probably a little safer. It had wintered there an Alexandrian ship with twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, not New York, all right? But it was, it was Syracuse. We stayed there three days. From there, we sailed across the region. A day later, the wind began blowing, and we, the following day, we sailed up the coast of Puteli. 
There we found some believers. They invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. And when Paul saw them, he was encouraged and he thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Think about what just happened. God supplied provision. God supplied a ship. God supplied safe travel. And God got Paul where he needed to be. None of those answers were present. None of those answers Paul could see. But he trusted that God could. Your how may not make any sense to you. In our last service, I'm just going to tell you where everybody was sitting. There's a couple right there that lost a nine-year-old boy two years ago. There was a gentleman right there that lost his wife a week and a half ago. Sitting right over here was a couple that lost their 23-year-old daughter about 15 years ago. Back there was a couple that lost their 28-year-old son in 2003. And I could just tell you story after story after story. And I've had this conversation with all of them. Because every one of them at some point said, Mike, how am I going to make it? And I've said this line, and I will say it till the day I leave this earth. I don't know how, I just know you will. Mike, how's God going to get me through it? I, I, I don't know. I just have watched him do it. He's going to get you through. I do not know how you walked in this room this morning. I do not know what you're facing. But I know this. The God that was faithful to Paul is going to be faithful to you too. He ain't leaving you on the ship. He's not leaving you on the island. He's going to get you where you need to be. Would you pray with me? How do we trust God in the how? We pray. We throw up our hands and say, God, I can't. You can. God, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm helplessly out of control. But I know you've got it. And I trust you. I trust your wisdom. I trust your character. I wonder if it was about this journey that inspired Paul to write these words. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done 
And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I've reached in the toolbox and it was empty. And I am sailing to a destination unknown with nobody steering the ship. I do not know Jesus. I do not know God. I do not, but I want the Jesus Paul had. Can I introduce him to you today? It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I surrender my life to you today. Welcome home. Welcome home. Steph will tell you in just a second, if you're online, our online host will tell you what to do next. Maybe though today you are, you're circling in that why. And you're like, Mike, I'm ready to move on to what? But just take a second. No matter where you're at in this journey, tell the Lord about it, would you? Because we serve a way-making God who's got you.